Hello and welcome to the Killian Brady Performance Podcast, where we discuss everything that you need to take your performance to the next level. On this week's episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by Killian Shorten, aka the Sheriff. In this episode, Killian talks us through how we went from playing with Bailey Celtic to Celtic. He also discusses areas around building confidence, controlling game day nerves, and dealing with external criticism. Killian also discusses how he wishes he had tapped into the sports psychology side of things as a younger player and the benefit it would have had to him as a professional footballer. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Killian, thanks a million for coming on. I should give you your official title, Killian Shorten, aka the Sheriff. God, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you got that title then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's important. I read that that was in the terms and conditions of coming on the podcast. Yeah, my, my, only, my only demand. Yeah. Easily pleased. So, Killian, as I said, thanks for coming on. About this podcast, I have on my sheet here, gone from Bailiborough Celtic to Celtic. So I'm yeah, sure I've, never heard someone, I've never heard someone say it like that. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty mad to think of it like that. Yeah. Mm. I suppose you can't give the whole story over here a long time, but can you give, I suppose, a quick synopsis of what or how it came to going from Bailey Celtic to Celtic. Uh, it was a, a lot, a lot of different things. Um, there's the sh- the short end of it is there's luck, timing, dedication, work. Um, I suppose dedication and work is the same thing, but um, it's I think it's it's a mixture of those two for me really. Because I went from Baileyborough, where I would have been playing Gaelic. So like our soccer was like in Cavan, you you play soccer as a you play with your friends after school. Yeah. as a joke not a joke but like you know just messing about yeah you're not going you're not really going down and training and tactics and stuff like that mm-hmm. the way you the way we train Gaelic basically we're not training like that in soccer yeah and uh, I went one summer I went to a summer camp in I ended up having to go to one in Dundalk because I think it was on holiday the one that was on in Cavan that all my friends were going to, and um, it was an FAI summer school soccer thing for like the, one of those weekly summer camps. Yeah, the parents uh, you had to get your way for the week. I well, actually, we were on holiday, so I couldn't go. Oh. and then I ended up going to the one that was in uh, Dundalk and staying with. I stayed with like friends of friends, who's now uh, Barry Hamilton, who's now one of the fitness coaches at Man City and um, you'll see him like celebrating when Man City win the leagues and all the staff was there you you can see him out there little ball guy um, so I went, to, I went to the summer camp there Sean McCaffrey who was over the Cavan Monaghan yeah. region or like the northeast region I think for the FAI uh, he just saw me one day and was like you look pretty good just from doing like little drills and stuff. And he suggested I go to uh, Ireland under 15 trials. So I went up to that, arrived there and I said, they were like, what position are you? Are you? And I just said left back. Cause I thought it'd be like a nice, easy position. When, for, when we're playing games, I'd always be midfield. And I went up there and I was like left back, uh, played a trial match, didn't get, didn't get picked. And then I was like, ah, okay, that's it. At least I, at least I tried it. Yeah. Um, and then Sean McCaffrey again said, uh, I think when he was told like how it happened, 
he said, you, you, if you want to make it like to the next level or you want to try and break into an Ireland team, you need to play in Dublin. You can't do it playing for Bailey basically. Yeah. And uh, so then he contacted Belvedere in Dublin and I went up there just off kind of his recommendation um, and they signed me. So then when I went there, it was like the first year it would have been tra- we'd training on a Wednesday evening and we'd play on a Saturday morning. So that would have been like the, up until then, so I'd say I'm 14, 13 or 14. So up until then, it was just kind of like playing just like with friends and stuff after school. And then that was kind of the first time when I had to like have a bit of dedication. So having to like travel up every Wednesday evening and then Saturday mornings, going up again to Dublin to play to play games. Um, and then the next the next two, that was the first year. Then the next two years after it was, the games were on a Sunday morning and we trained on a Saturday morning. So I'd have to get, I would've got the, usually I would've got the bus on a Saturday morning up for training, come back home Saturday afternoon. And then usually my mom and my dad would drive me up on Sunday morning for the game and then back down. So that was like, my weekends were pretty, that was basically my weekends, um, and then probably for about a year, a year, maybe a year and a half, I was doing that, and also playing Gaelic at the same time, which kind of, sometimes kind of messed me up a bit because I, like, I could maybe play a game Sunday morning and then come back Sunday afternoon and play. I remember playing like that uh, Jerry Riley, Jerry Riley, Jerry Riley tournament, yeah. and just I remember a few times like my body just giving up, like just legs all cramping up everything when if you're like fourteen or fifteen, it's not. Yeah, takes no. a lot of running to do that too at, at that age. Yeah. yeah, and then just, just kind of when I, when I got up to Dublin, um, was when I started have, like realising that I had to take it more serious. Was and that then it team? wasn't until, I didn't start to get trials until I went. Again, Sean McCaffrey became the under-17s and under-19s manager. And he loved me, so he brought me into those squads. And this was kind of at a time when a lot of the players had already gone over to teams in England and Scotland. Um, so clubs probably would have looked at when, like, I played these little tournaments. Clubs would have looked at all the players and saw like I didn't have a professional team. And then that's kind of when I started to get some trials uh, to go over. In uh, this would have been at under 15s, yeah. Yeah. So then, like, then fast forwards two years later or three years later, and it's kind of it's almost worked to my to my benefit. Where clubs are looking at clubs might mightn't have really been watching me in games, but they might have just saw like on the team sheet, Killian Sheridan unattached mm-hmm. or whatever it said, and they might have been looking like, well, if he's playing, if he's an international youth player, we can take him for nothing, or he might yeah. be worth he might be worth a shot or something like that. So. Yeah, kind of free shot. Yeah, so it ended up working for me. But one of the things I always remembered from that under-15s trial, at the end of it, Vinnie Butler was the manager. And at the end of it, he said, so like he didn't name the players who got picked there and then. I don't think, maybe he did. But he had like a, spoke to the whole group and said, if you don't make it this time, don't worry. One thing in football is there'll be a lot of players here that didn't make it into this squad that will make it into future squads and vice versa, like players are in it. And at the time, I remember thinking like, yeah, whatever, like that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to get picked. But it's, it's so true. Like even in from my under 19s and under 21 squads, like, like so I remember those players 
Seamus Coleman, I remember, in an under-21s when he was at Sligo. And because I, I would have been at Celtic, so I would have been like a bit snobby towards like him being at Sligo, thinking yeah. kind of like oh, he's in an under-21 team or in an under-21 squad and he's playing for Sligo and not really doing anything special. And then he just went skyrocketed. It's so, it's so true like how, you, how, how, how quickly things can change. Yeah, especially in, in, a, in a sport like that where you see like it really is a case of sometimes it just takes, and as you said at the start, maybe that bit of luck, just the right, right timing for something to happen that can really just send you off on the path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a lot of, it's a lot of timing. Mm. I think the timing and luck is huge for probably 90% of players. There's luck and there's timing. And then there, there's that small group of players who are just naturally so talented and hardworking, but their talent is just going to get them there or get them into situations. Yeah. But there's no point having some luck and you get a shot somewhere if you're not ready. It's like if you're, if you're doing everything you should be doing yeah. and then yeah. the chance comes, you know you're ready. Whereas if, if a chance comes up and you're like, oh shit, like I'm, I'm not fit or I haven't been doing my fitness work. If, like, like now if you're a player and you're not playing, you're always on the bench, you're not at the same level of fitness, of match fitness. So you should really be doing extra or training harder. So then when maybe a player gets injured or suspended, you're not thinking, oh no, I'm, fuck, I'm, I'm way behind in fitness. I haven't played in so long. Um, yeah. kind of does. It's it's hard. It's hard to adapt that like all the time. There would have been times when I was younger when I wouldn't have been doing that, and then you get a chance. You go into a game and you're not. You're you're off the pace and you just end up ruining ruining it for yourself. Really. Yeah, I think when people talk about luck, and it's just exactly what you were saying. Like the harder you work, the nearly the luckier you get because you're in a position then to take them breaks to be able to go on and if you get a starting position to keep it. It's, it's people that just rely on the luck alone to get them, but don't take the chances or the half chances that they get. And I think that can be the difference with people when they say, oh, I got a bit lucky. Well, you kind of put yourself in a position to get lucky. Yeah, no, no, definitely. But I, I, I believe in making your own luck. Yeah. Um, I always consider myself very lucky in kind, in kind of everything I've, I just think I'm lucky um, but at the same time I can acknowledge that like I did put in some sacrifices and was dedicated enough to get to put yourself in that position it's like if a, if a striker misses I know it's something stupid I think like if a striker misses from two yards out and then people are watching they're like what? or he misses something easy and they're like I could have done that I could have scored that but you couldn't because there's like there's 10 years maybe work gone in to get to that position yeah you, you couldn't do so yeah yeah like and that's that's a very good way of looking at it when you as you say on the pitch you're putting yourself in these positions but the average player that gets to that end point can see the tip of it that position that he's in right in front of goals but they mightn't have looked at the run that he's after making or the you know defenders he's after fucking fooling to get into that position and then people go Ah, sure, sure, that was easy. Yeah, yeah. Even like players, people look at players who only score tap-ins, like Van Nistelrooy and stuff like that. But like they're probably the smartest players on the field because they're, yeah. they're doing the hardest thing to do in football and they're doing it in the easiest way from a yard out. Like yeah. it's, as a striker, it's not easy to be free two, three yards out from goal. It's, <laughs> it's the hardest place to get free. You but, didn't just like, pop up there. Hmm. 
And then and, and I was just looking before we came on and I seen when you started out, because you were, you know, you were kind of weren't at a club your whole career, was when you got to the trials, was there a sense of nervousness about going out onto trials or even games where you know someone might be watching? Was that added pressure, did you feel, or did you ever kind of feel that pressure? Uh, I don't really remember when I was younger what it was like. Um, but now, like, see, I remember, since I've kind of been professional, every, like, senior game, 99% of those games, I'll get nervous before every, every single one, even now, before, doesn't matter what game. Sometimes, even, I found probably the bigger games, you're less nervous because it's, I don't know, you're not really thinking about the game so much. You're more, it's more like, I don't know, it's hard to describe, whereas if it's a smaller I shouldn't say a smaller game, but if it's a game that's you're not playing a big team, a big name team, or it's not in front of a lot of fans, I tend to find myself I get more nervous, kind of like need to play well or we need to win. I don't know. So it's something I've always had. And I used to I used to when I'd get it, I used to think, Fuck's sake, like why am I so nervous here? I should be confident going into the game. But then kind of when you read up on it and find out about nerves, it's part of adrenaline and yeah. it's kind of like so now so now when I get it I'm thinking I'm like kind of yeah this is good now I'm ready there, there's the nerves that's kind of my body my body's ready for the game kind of way yeah I think that's good for for people listening that do feel to get nervous before games feel oh I shouldn't be nervous but as I always say and the players that I work with it's about using that nervous energy you know because ne- nervous energy is just energy it's energy with inside your body it's me or you or whoever that's calling it nerves. But yeah, yeah. It, the same feeling you get when you're nervous, you get when you're excited and something good's going to happen. So yeah. using it more than trying to say, oh, I can't get nervous. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like some, some players don't get nervous, just don't get nervous and never have gotten nervous, but still can, it's, it's their routine or whatever. Mm. But for me, if I if I have a game and I don't feel that feeling in my stomach, like of nerves and kind of some sometimes like it's so it can feel sick. I've I've never got sick, but I've had times where I'm like, shit, I'm so nervous here, and then kind of you start, you, you build yourself up with it. Um, but if there's a time when I don't feel it, I can kind of start panicking, and I'm like, oh no, like that feeling's not there today. Yeah, the opposite to what you used to feel. Yeah, and then the full time in the warm-up, I'm kind of like saying to myself, like trying to get myself up and, and yeah, it's, when that happens, then I, st- I start to worry when I don't have the nerves. But yeah. that's just my, my body. I know how it works. I know what the nerves do to me and kind of how to manage them now. So it's... Yeah, and I always like I said, say that. Some, some players might not get the nerves and then that's just how that's just how their their body makes them perform and that's one thing that I'm always trying to get across to people is just because you get nervous before a game doesn't mean that's the right way or just because someone doesn't get nervous doesn't mean that's the right way and as you just rightly pointed out you know yourself you know your body you know that stage that you feel that you want to get to before a game, which I think is massively important. And I'm sure it took time to realise that throughout your career. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was probably like 25, 26, I'd say, before I kind of understood 
all that side of it. Like, um, like not being nervous, but kind of trusting yourself that if you if you're training good and you're doing everything you can during the week, you know when the game once the game comes, you're like you don't you shouldn't have any doubts. You can go into the game and think, right, I had a good training of fitness is good. I've no I've no need to be nervous or to doubt myself. Kind of like I have to trust what I've done. Kind of I I try and use it when I'm playing golf. Mm. Like if I've a and I can be terrible at golf, but I can have I'll have one good shot and then like five rubbish ones. Yeah, and the good yeah. shot is always when I just my good shots are always when I just kind of like let the club do all the work. And then I kind of thought like it's similar where the golf club is designed in a way that it's gonna hit the ball at a certain degree and it's gonna travel wherever. So like you have to trust the club. So when, if, if when you start trying to hit it as hard as you can you have a rubbish shot yeah and then it's just like trusting your club and then if i kind of think the way in football if you've done all the training you're doing your gym program fitness trust it all and then if it if it doesn't if it doesn't work out you can still have a bad game but you know you've done everything that you need to do and you have everything in place so it's just kind of like just trusting everything that you've done i think that's the key to building confidence because in the back of our mind, if we know we haven't done enough and we've skipped out in a few runs and we've pulled up short and our diet hasn't been very good, and then you go into a game, this kind of just chimp in your head will be always telling you, you didn't do enough this week. You know, you, you didn't put in that work. And that's where I think some people fall down because they want confidence, but you need to earn the confidence to go out and trust yourself, as you said. Yeah, definitely. For me, anyway, when I'm when I feel fit, my confidence is completely different. Like now, the team I just joined here. When I came, the first like two three games, I didn't start, so I was coming into games. And coming into games, it's a lot. It's a much different feeling, fitness wise. Like you could come in for ten or fifteen minutes and feel like you've played two games. Like doing runs. It's all because you're all you're doing is warming up on the sideline. You're not you're not really doing match running like the same tempo and intensity. So when you come into a game as a sub, nearly every sub will say this: that when you make a run, you it's so hard to recover because you're just going in and you're straight into like a match at full pace. Whereas so for the first like two three games, I kept coming in for like twenty minutes, then the next game thirty minutes. And then after every game, I was like, I feel terrible in these games. But I'd, I'd come from Israel where I was playing every game. So I was starting. So I was thinking, yeah, no, my fitness is good. Came here, coming into the game, like, I don't know if my fitness is here. I, I feel terrible. And in training, it was playing on my mind. And I, I was having, not rubbish trainings, but I just wasn't myself. Yeah. And then when I finally got to start the game, after like the first five minutes, I felt really good. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour felt really, really good. Whereas all week I was thinking, oh, I don't think I'm fit enough. I don't think I'm fit enough. And then once I got that game done and my fitness, then I knew I was like, this is easy. I can play 90 minutes. Like that was, I am fit. Yeah. And it completely changed training. I felt better, felt more confident. Games, every game felt better and better and stronger. And... Um, 
but it was just trying to get that from the from the very beginning like i didn't i wasn't really trusting in how fit i was and it was like that thing you're saying like just always in your head nipping away at you and i just, i couldn't like settle and believe that hold on a minute i am fit like what's why am i why am i doubting myself here yeah i think and i never to be honest i never kind of thought it out with subs coming on but it's so true and then that you know if someone isn't getting that starting position that was in your place that can really play in your mind because then the training start going down and then you actually look at yourself going i'm not even playing well at training and all of this kind of could have went a downward spiral and actually when you looked into it there was nothing wrong <laughs> you know it was just yeah, what no, you it was just, yeah, it's in your head not trusting or not believing in what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't as if I went there and hadn't been playing for a month or two months or wasn't training good, wasn't eating good. Everything was doing everything I would normally do, but just, I just, like, let it creep in a little bit that I wasn't, I wasn't at the, the standards that, or, like, the fitness standard that I needed to be at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great point. Great point. Just when you do mention starting a new club, you've went to a few different clubs. Did you find it hard when you're going into a new club, new culture, new teammates, new setup? Does that be hard? Uh, the first time I moved, yeah. Because the first one, or sorry, the first time I moved abroad. So when I went to Bulgaria, I was 21. And it, it was like a tough place to go where the club it wasn't run well and... There was kind of quite a split in the dressing room, and there was only—I think there was just me and there was a Dutch guy, who obviously speaks very good English. Um, so that was kind—that of, was probably the hardest one. And then after that, it's kind of been like I'm used to it now. I know how it goes. It's you know the first kind of week for me anyway. The first week I'm kind of like I'll be quiet, just kind of because I, I don't want to go in first day. Everyone look at me. This is how I am. So like very slowly, I'll start to know people and like give them a little bit more myself or like my character and stuff. Yeah. And um, so now, now it's now I'm kind of it. It doesn't really bother me at all. It's interesting because yeah, I I couldn't imagine because when people go, especially you're starting a new country and everything, and the language barrier, there's a lot to overcome, and then also you need to perform on the pitch. So it's a lot to kind of, as you said, giving it that week like. The nearly, it's the unspoken rules that you're kind of looking out for. Yeah, but the, if you go to a team and play, and if you get like your first game and you have a good game, then that like that fast tracks everything once you get that game done. So like here when I came, it's a bit different here because I've been in Poland before. So I, I came in here kind of knowing I've done good in Poland, so the players here kind of will know me. And I don't, whereas before I would have went to clubs and thought, I need to go in and impress. Like, straight, you want to go in and you want to play. Because I know what it's like when a, play, when a new player joins a team. You're looking at him and thinking if he's good or not. Yeah. And then if, they're, if they come in and they're bad, you're like, this, fella, this guy's rubbish. <laughs> And then, so when I go to a team, that's the first thing I'm thinking. I'm like thinking, all of these are going to be thinking, what's he like? But if you can get a game quickly and a good game, it's, yeah. it settles everything for you. Then like you're more, you're more confident around the place. You're, 
and it's and it's it's a weird one because in football it's quite like that kind of unwritten rule you're saying it's it's not the thing to do to come into a team like first day really loud yeah um maybe you you're training terrible or you play a game and you're terrible but you come in like you've just had man of the match or you've just scored a hat trick yeah and then everyone is thinking like who's this guy think he is so it's kind of like there's there's these little weird yeah stupid stupid things but they're there and they don't change Like no, it's not. It's not. No, it's not going to change. But if you go to a school, it's the same setup. If you go to a new job, it's the same setup. It's them kind of just, just trying to figure out, you know, what's what and what's going on and who's who. Yeah, yeah. So like for me, a lot of places I go, after like maybe a month, two months, when I get into like kind of a group of guys, they all they're kind of all say the same thing. They're like, when you came, you didn't say a word. <laughs> I thought you were a weirdo. So. <laughs> I'd say if you went in just being you the first day, they mightn't be able to handle all that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, in 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 a group, in a group, I'm I'm not going to be the loudest person. Yeah. I'll I'll be myself in a small group of friends, and um, but like I can't go in. Like I'll even think about Twitter and Instagram. I can't I can't go in to a dressing room, a new team, be really quiet, not saying a word, and then go home. And just be like my normal self on Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Then I know the next day I'll come in, they'll be like, what's this guy's deal? He doesn't say a word and then he's this other person. So with that as well, I've, I'll try and kind of like break myself in in that sense as well. Throughout your long career and still going, what is there? Is there a moment where you kind of look back and go, I'm actually really proud of that. That's one moment that I kind of cherish and I'm proud of myself for getting into that position. Eh... Uh, I know, pro- probably playing for Celtic. Yeah. Because um, kind of like how you said it, like going from Bailiborough Celtic to actually playing for Celtic um, or sco- scoring for them was, was better, I think. Because um, lo- loads can say there's going to be loads of players who have won appearances or two appearances. Yeah. But there's, it's a much smaller list of players who've scored. Um, and then obviously Ireland... But because my de- my debuts were debuts, I only have one debut. My debut was it was in the RDS the game, so the, it wasn't as good as kind of you would like you think of it. Yeah. Growing up, but then getting to play in the, the Aviva, I would have much preferred if that was my debut, because then yeah. it's like it's a much bigger thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I've ne- I've never really thought when something good is happening that yeah I'm, I'm proud of myself for this I've, I'd say maybe once I looked back and was like actually yeah I've done quite well to play for Celtic that's a good achievement and um, I deserve to do it <laughs> to say the like least um, yeah no, not really maybe when I finish I will but at the, right now I've ne- it's not something I've, I've really done you're still in the middle of it. You're still looking to get to that big moments. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be optimistic. <laughs> do you feel, just when you did bring up your Irish caps, do you feel you could have got or should have got more Irish caps? Uh, nah. At the, to- uh, at the time when I was in the squads, 
Probably not, because uh, the two had two sub appearances in those games at the RDS that I didn't really didn't do much. Um, it was like maybe ten minutes or five minutes, uh, and then the the Argentina game was the Argentina game was on like a Saturday or a Sunday. Maybe it probably would have been a Saturday, and on the Friday night, I played an under twenty ones game for Ireland. We played. I can't remember who we played. So I played like 60 minutes Friday night for the under-21s. And then that day, Kevin Doyle got injured and pulled out of the game on the Saturday. So on the Saturday, then I started against Argentina. But So I've kind of always used that as my excuse for having a pretty average game on that one. Um, and then that was the time I just moved to Bulgaria and... To be honest, I would have had to went there and scoring every week, probably to like merit staying in the squad um, or like scoring in because we were in Europa League at the time. Uh, to be like playing well in that, I would have needed to be doing, um, and it just didn't really go to plan there. But then later on, when I was in Cyprus and Champions League and stuff, yeah, there I felt I should have had maybe not some caps, but I thought I should have been in the squads then. Um, that's, the, that's probably been the only time where I've felt like I should, I should be there or like I can I'd feel confident where I, should, I, I could be in that squad or I could give something to that squad, um, which I've never really thought at any other stage. Would you say that as a player, you'd be like, would you be hard on yourself or do you just kind of take it? You're pretty level-headed when you know you're playing well and you know you're a poor game or would you be a bit harsh on yourself as a player? Uh, I'd be... Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd be pretty harsh. Um, like, I'd ha- I think I'd have to have a very good game for s- if someone came to me and asked, oh, how, how did you play? If I had a really, really good game, then I'd be like, um, yeah, actually played, played pretty good. That might be the height of it. And then any other, any other thing, it'll be, yeah, it was all right. That's probably a good game for me. Um, but one of the things now that, that has come in is stats. So after all our games, we get an email uh, because Pol- the Polish League has a partnership with Instat. And after all our games, we'll get an email saying of our stat rating of like passes you give away, challenges you lose basically everything you've done in a game in stats and you get ratings and so after a game you'll get that within maybe an hour two hours so if you have a good game like for me i this kind of my feeling on those stats where i'll come in go on the bus i'll get the email and i know if i've had a good game so if i if i had a good game i'm feeling good and then i'll get this email and it might say judged on the stats to the rest of the team it was I was average or it was like nothing special. But then I'll be like, okay, maybe I didn't score, but I still had a good game. Like you, it's, you just know when you've had a good game and it can work the other way where if, you, we, if we've lost or I don't, know, had, I don't know, and I come in and I felt I had a bad game or the manager maybe has said something to you or you've done something wrong or they say something to you. And then you come in, you get the stats and it says you're one of the better players or you've had a good, compared to other games, maybe you had a higher rating. And then you can start to be like, oh, well, the stats say I had a good game. So 
I had a good game. But you like you always know when you're looking at them, you're thinking, I don't know if that's really true. You know, like for me anyway, I know myself. I don't stats and stuff can work to maybe back up an argument, but I think at the end of a game, just you know yourself if you have a good or a bad game. Yeah. And I think the stats will only show the stuff that you did as in well or badly, whether you give away a pass or you, you know, you scored a goal or whatever. But you know yourself inside your head of them balls that you didn't even go for or the position that you seen that you didn't even put yourself in. Yeah. When you're yeah, having yeah. a good game, the stats can't measure that. You are in that position. You worked hard to get into that position, as we talked about earlier. And the stats aren't going to bring that, you know, element. So that's where people, and you're right, can look at stats and kind of get disheartened if they think they had a good game. But they know they were putting themselves in positions where if things had gone right, they might have, you know, got their bigger opportunities or looked better on the stat sheet. Yeah, definitely. Like when I was in Cyprus, one of the... Excuse me, one of the coaches came one day with a sheet saying, Kelly, hey, I need to talk to you about this, these stats from the last few games. I think it was like the month, like all the average or whatever. And he was saying like, you're losing this amount of passes or this, you're losing this many passes. You're giving the ball away too much and in this area. So I was looking at it and thinking, I know I've definitely not given that many passes away. And I was playing left wing at the time. I remember I was looking and thinking, that's definitely not true. So I went back and looked through. So on the stats it was showing, because I was left wing, if I won a corner, so if I tried to cross the ball, defender blocks and then it goes out, that was counting me as an incomplete pass. So I'd win like five or six corners a game, throw-ins. And from those corners we might score, Mm -hmm. but it's just coming up as an incomplete pass. So then after like I looked at that, I was like, Right, well, kind of, I know myself now that I was right. Fair enough, I can still work on keeping the ball sometimes, but I knew that the stats that he was giving me weren't reflecting of, of what I was actually doing in, in the game. And at that point too, like the fact that someone could be driving on and trying to play a little bit more on the edge to create stuff. If, if you, the way he did bring up the stats of, well, you need to do you lose all that creativity and that living on the edge and pushing forward that you think when you come off a game playing, I'm playing well, I'm pushing on, I'm pushing on, I'm, you know, getting up the field and whatever. And then a stack comes out and goes, now nah, you're, you're giving too much away, which is kind of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's hard to balance it right. Because at the same time, I like, like, there's nothing wrong with a coaching staff trying to yeah. use everything they can to make, like, 1% difference. Um. But it's just, yeah, trying to get the, get the right balance in it is, is, the key, is the key thing with them. And I think understanding each individual player when it comes to the stats, because a lot of people can get too caught up in the stats. Some people don't give a crap about the stats. So I think it's about finding balance between an actual person, because that's what's playing the game, an actual human being, and then the stats. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it, it's a similar thing to... Like match reports. When I was younger, I would have read a match report and thought, or I would have, if people, probably now like it's more Twitter. Yeah. But if I read something bad, I could read like 19 good reviews of reviews or reports of the game saying I had a good game. And then one person will say, oh, you were shit. That's all, that's all I'd think of. And I'd be like, bad game. Or yeah. one person might say, you, you keep losing headers or and then the next game I remember that like that happened to me once and then the next game it was all I could think of I could just think of that guy said I, was, I lost all these headers and I wasn't like it took me away from 
my normal game or like I was thinking about something I shouldn't have been thinking about um, but kind of that's what it's, I think it's a lot easier for me now to say it's like don't listen to what other people are saying like online and stuff like that but it's so hard not to yes yeah. like now I'm at a, I'm a different age obviously where I'm more mature about it and I know for me the only people I need to impress are managers and coaches and other clubs because that's who's going to sign me that's who's going to play me not what fans are saying online or maybe not even like could be a 40 year old guy or 50 year old guy who doesn't even go to the game but one of his friends might not like might not like me and said ah ah, he's shit but he just writes yeah you're shit so it's something like that but when you're younger you just think it's so hard to to think of it any other way Um, and I think that's that's probably one of the hardest things for, for players now a lot of the time players are out they never really switch off as you say with social media and stuff and as you rightly pointed out you could have 19 good you know positive feedbacks and then you have one bad but we're all inclined to look at that one and kind of overanalyze it but i think it's very important for people to understand at least that's what they're doing because some people don't even realize that that's what they're doing and then to spend two or three years only focusing on negative stuff or bad stuff that was said about them and completely disregard any positives and to get caught up in this kind of spiral of nearly always looking for the bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that was probably one of the worst things I'd done when I was at Celtic. I was list, I'd listened to too many bad things being said and only believed them. And then kind of like for my full, nearly my full time there, I was thinking, I'm not good enough to be here. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be playing here. Just based off reading what people are saying. And it's like, it's thing, like when you say it like that, it's so stupid to act like that. But, but people don't realise, like that's the problem. When, and we've all been, it's not like you, a lot of times you don't know you're doing it. And it's so gradual and it's so small. And it starts off with you overhear something and then you read something. And then all you can hear is people chatting busy shit and reading shit. And before you know it, you're a couple of months or a year down the line and you're consumed by it to the extent you believe it, which I think is, is such a bad way of, of kind of starting off a bad trail of having a kind of negative mindset and bad self-talk towards yourself that can have massive impacts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's just kind of, it's not understanding, understanding it. It's kind of, it's, well, it, it is a bit. It's just realising that it doesn't, their say isn't gospel or like kind of... Well, I think you need to test it. Like, as in, you know... Just I, don't think, someone... I don't think you can... I don't think just blocking it all out... No, definitely, no. no. Is not the way to do it. Like when people say, oh, should only be positive stuff and things like that. You should still be able to take... You should still be able to read negative things about you, but kind of process it in a different way. Not take it and just be like, oh no, that's me, right? I'm defeated now, that's me done. Yeah. It's like, if you can take that and use it in a different way, then I think that's the difference in, you see, I think that's one of the main things where players kind of go to the top and can stay there when, when they have that when they're young. Um, it's the same with, um, the same kind of, as what we were talking about with nerve. Like, you shouldn't block out anything because it's like saying, don't think about something. If you tell yourself, don't think about it, you can be damn sure that's the only thing you're going to be thinking about. So you let it in and then, you know, question it, find out, is it true? Do you need to actually work on it? Is it, you know, a play, a area that you need to focus on improving? And if it's not and you're comfortable and you understand that it's just someone chatting shy, 
well then it's disregarding it and that takes time to learn how to do that but as you said it's not a case of just saying oh i'm not going to listen to negative stuff i'm just going to be in this bubble of positivity because it, it just doesn't work like that yeah no no it's impossible and then you go you go and play a game you can't stop people in the stands from shouting things at you yeah it's but like if someone in the it's weird like if i'm playing a game and i hear someone in the stands even when i was younger if they shouted something bad at me it wouldn't that wouldn't affect me but reading something had a different had a totally different um impact i don't know if it's because you're in the you're playing the game you've got like all you're in kind of you're in your game mode it's you've got all adrenaline you're you're just thinking about the game whereas if you're just sitting down looking at your phone or on your laptop and just reading it then it's that's all you have to think about but in the game you're not thinking about it yeah in the game you're not thinking about you're thinking about a hundred different things so Mm um yeah i think it's just kind of been knowing how how to deal with them and again what we discussed earlier like it all kind of comes around a big circle but knowing yourself as a player what works what doesn't work you know so i think the biggest thing that any player looking to get kind of progress in any career in sport is knowing what works for you and doubling down on that yeah definitely definitely um yeah you can't look at someone else and think well he does this so so that's what i've got to do like the way i the way i became a footballer i can't see someone else doing the same having the same route it doesn't it doesn't mean they're not going to they don't have a chance to do it It just means you're going to there's so many different things that have to fall into place or things that happen, but yeah, you can't, you can't just look at one person and it's the same with diets. Like it's everybody's, everybody's different. Everyone's bodies are different. You take foods in different ways. So it's a, it's, it's the same, the same idea that it's, what is it? Horses for courses. Yeah. Different horses Horses. for different courses. Yeah. This is, this is the same, the same thing. I took up more than what I thought I would of your time. So I do appreciate it. But just to finish off on, is there anything that you've learned over the last 14 years as a professional footballer that you feel people or younger people, or even I suppose people in different sports could benefit from that you kind of think to yourself, I wish I kind of had it knew this earlier or if I had a thought about this earlier? Uh, yeah, I wish I wish I would have kind of tapped into the mental side of it when I was younger and um, like the whole sports psychology thing and all that I would have I think that that would have been a huge difference to me because even when I I started I started working with a guy in Cyprus Niall Stack when I would have been 26 27 probably 26 um, and like it made it straight away it made a huge difference um, and that's one that's one of the things where I always wish I wish I'd done that when I was younger like it would have, I think it would have made a, a huge difference to have that, just having a different mindset at Celtic, where instead of being just kind of letting things happen, like, right, I've made it into the squad, kind of like expecting things as that's just happened, rather than, right, I'm here now, let's stay here, let's go on to the next one. Um, and dealing with, being able to deal with setbacks or criticism and being out of the team, uh, a lot of stuff like that, um, but I think I think it's more popular now. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. That it's not. I don't think it's seen now as being a like if you say a sports psychologist, 
people will I probably still now will think oh he's got he must have problems like he must be he must be depressed or he's sad or he really struggles where it's like it can be the total opposite it can be a player who's on the top of his game everything's brilliant but he wants to use something else that's going to get him to the next level or keep him at where he is um, and it can be very like I deal with a lot of players around that side and it's when you and I'm sure you find it, when you talk to someone like that it's it's simple stuff but it's just stuff that we don't know the tools or the techniques or the having that chat that can make the big difference like even around what we discussed I do a lot of work around you know self-talk and you know, belief in yourself. And it's not just this kind of, some people might think, oh, it's kind of airy-fairy stuff, but it's practical stuff that you can do. Again, it's the simple things like saying, if you put the work in at training, that's how you build confidence in games. And it's all that kind of combination. Even the stuff we discuss, it's a lot about the mindset side of things, that if people just took a more mindful approach to their training or a more purposeful approach to their you know, trainings and matches and games. At the end of the day, it's humans that are playing the game. So you can give all the tactics and you can give all the training, but it's up in your mind where a lot of times things can go wrong. And we discussed it with you when you were saying about you can get this negative that you're not fit enough. And that can be a spiral that can end careers instead of just having a chat with someone or discussing it with, you know, a coach or a sports psychologist that can have massive, massive impact. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, uh, it doesn't have to be, I don't think, it doesn't have to be like you go in and if someone comes in and gives a talk to a team about the mental things or different ways you can do, deal with trainings or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if that talks 45 minutes or an hour, but if you take five sentences from that, if one of them sticks with you and is going to make a 5% difference to you or a even a one one percent difference. Yeah. Why not? Why not use that? Like, if it's not going to make, if it's not going to make, if it's not going to take something away from you, or may, maybe you try something and nothing changes. You don't take anything from it. You're not getting worse. Worst case scenario is you're ta- you you're going to get something from it. And then if you get one thing, you can build on it, go to the next thing, and then suddenly mm-hmm. you're you can totally change your how you're training on something or how you deal with something. But it's so. I, I think it has to be something that a player wants or is buying into instead of just doing it for the because they're told to do it. You can't um, force that type of stuff on anybody because, as I no. always say, you need to be in a position to take this stuff on board. And if, 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 if I'm dealing with someone and they're not in that position, there's actually no point because it's something that you want, need to want to do for yourself. So you need to want to do it. Otherwise, it's, it's, you might as well talk to a wall like, yeah, I think that's why it worked so well with me or why I took to it so much because it kind of, it all happened at the perfect time for me, like when I was kind of fed up or football wasn't going so good and uh, I was open to it and it ended up kind of like the two of us. He wanted to kind of watch us train because he was uh, studying it and I said, well, it's something I'm kind of interested in if you want to come and like work with me. Mm-hmm. So like straight away, I, I was, it was something I wanted to do. So I was interested, I bought into it, I wasn't doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, yeah. And that's probably, that's, I'd say, is like the first rule of, 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 of doing it. Yeah, totally. Killian, on that point, I really genuinely appreciate you giving up your time and having a great chat. And sorry I kept you longer than expected. No, no, no problem. Just enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. 
If you want to find out more information about my Mindset for Performance programs, where I help you take your performance to the next level by working with you to put a plan in place. We look at goal setting, identifying key milestones and targets, obstacles that may occur, accountability, and overall help you build your confidence. Head over to my Instagram page at Killian Brady or KB underscore performance underscore coaching for more information. Until next time, keep moving forward.